In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tuggy Entertainment or its partners. It's time for Paying It Forward with Josephine Jirasi. Everyone has learned lessons in life during their lifetime. Some good, some bad. But from everyone, there has been something learned. And now it's time to share that knowledge. It's called Paying It Forward. Here, these lessons learned are then paid forward to you. With you, Paying It Forward too. Josephine put her professional career on hold after the birth of her first child and turned her attention to being a full-time mother. Well, three kids later, Josephine started her own company, MyMomKnowsBest.com and Glovies, but was dismayed by a lack of information that people would share to help entrepreneurs be successful. That's where Paying It Forward was born. This is Paying It Forward on Drugginet.com. And now, here's your host, Josephine Jirasi. Well, good morning, everyone. It's Josephine here. I hope everybody had a wonderful, productive week. I usually start my show off with the business tip of the week, but today is going to be a little different. I came across a really great quote. It's actually from the biz coach. He sends out a daily motivation um, every single day. And they're really, really great and uplifting. Just to let you know, the biz coach, his name is Patrick Doherty. And um, I'm sure if you just go to thebizcoach.com, you can probably get on his list. But he had a great quote today, and I thought I'd share it with you. It says, the thing always happens that you really believe in. And the belief in a thing makes it happen. And that was by Frank Lloyd Wright. And I just thought it was truly appropriate for today's show, being that we're going to talk about everything about being an entrepreneur. Okay, so that's our motivational quote for today. Now, I can't wait to introduce my guest. His name is Bruce Bockenheimer. Bruce is a clinical professor of management and the director of Entrepreneurship Lab at Pace University. He is also the organizer of the annual Pace Pitch Contest and Business Plan Competition. I can't wait to pick his brain about that because I know a lot of my listeners out there are going to be very interested in learning about that. Mr. Bockenheimer is a member of the board and past chair of the New York City chapter of the MIT Enterprise Forum and has served on the organization's global board. He serves on the board of directors and advisors of Lead America and has served as a consultant to governmental organizations and a variety of new ventures. He has been widely quoted in a variety of domestic and international publications and interviewed on radio and television. Mr. Bockenheimer began his career in investment banking and has worked for global corporations and new ventures. He has conducted business in over two dozen countries and was a founder of Annapolis Maritime Corp and the co-founder of Stock Central Australia. Mr. Bockenheimer holds a BBA, summa cum laude, from Pace University. He received the McKinsey and Company Leadership Scholarship to pursue an MBA degree, which he earned from the Australian Graduate School of Management. 
So I definitely wanted to get every word of Bruce's um, bio in there because he is so accomplished and um, I can't wait to bring him on. So here we go. Welcome to Paying It Forward, Bruce. How are you today? Good, good. Thank you, Josephine, and thanks for having me. Oh, I'm just so thrilled, Bruce. I I think we'll give full um, full disclosure here that Bruce is a very, very good friend of my sister's, and I've known Bruce, gosh, Bruce, it's over 20 years now. Can you imagine that? And, and for, for as long as I've had my radio show, I've always had you on my hit list, Bruce, and every time I make my way up to Chappaqua, I always say to my sister, is Bruce around? Is Bruce coming over? Because I always wanted to lure you onto my show, so I can't tell you how excited I am to have you today, and um, my listeners, trust me, this is going to be one of the best shows, so stay with us till the very end, because Bruce has some really, really good tips that will wrap up the show with on our last segment. So with that, um, Bruce, I'd love to share with the listeners a little bit about your background, um, how you got to where you are today. So bring us through like high school. Did you do anything as an entrepreneur? Did you ever think you'd be in the career that you are today? So it's all yours, Bruce. Okay. So I, I had a, uh, a bit of a, uh, eclectic background. I, um, after high school, I studied international management um, at Pace. I spent a semester in Japan. At the um, at the time, um, although Japan was the third largest economy, there was only about 600 people of non-Japanese descent that spoke Japanese. So I thought it would be a um, you know an interesting and a great opportunity. After uh, graduating, I worked for the Bank of Tokyo on Wall Street as a um, as a trader, and then later at uh, Westpac. Banking Corp, an Australian bank, doing uh, trading and arbitrage, and it was a um, it was a good time to do that, and it enabled me to take off and go sailing for a few years. So I bought a I hadn't sailed previously, but I bought a um, 36 foot um, sailboat and, and went from um, the New England area down through the uh, Caribbean to South America, Ugh. spending a couple years sailing and living on the boat for about seven years. Wow, I didn't realize it was that long, but that sounds like a lot of fun, Bruce. It, 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 was, uh, it was great, and, you know, that idea of, of, of living deliberately, you know, um, was always important to me. So when I found something I was passionate about that I really wanted to do it, it wasn't a problem to leave the, uh, you know, the world of, of Wall Street and just go sailing. I wasn't sure what I was going to do afterwards, and um, along the journey I had found... Um, that in a, one of the Caribbean islands, there's plantations where they grow teak lumber. And I decided that I had wanted to work with my hands, you know, instead of just uh, trading money. So I started a business, Annapolis Maritime Corp., where I imported teak lumber from that, um, you know, from the island and, and actually taught myself woodworking and did that for a couple of years. And it was a successful business and it was great to um you know to run a business and and learn something new and then i wound up getting recruited uh to a company that does a lot of um a washington dc company that does a lot of government contracts and worked on something i had you know no experience before which was forensic firearms identification um kind of a fingerprint system for guns that was done as a, a contract for the government and they asked me to commercialize it internationally, 
And, uh, you know, in that I brought it to um, about two dozen countries around the world and learned a bit about, um, you know, firearms and computers and all that. And um, really enjoyed that um, and learning something completely new for a, and that, that was kind of a startup company. And that contract was coming to an end that I wound up receiving a scholarship from McKinsey to do an MBA, which I decided to do in Australia at the Australian Graduate School of Management, which was a, um, a, a, a great and very challenging program. And that was mm-hmm. during the dot-com boom. And I co-founded a, a online financial services company with one of my fellow students called Stock Central, which um, which was quite successful. It grew to be about the third largest finance site in the country. Wow! The first, yeah, the first month we had a fifty thousand dollars, you know, in online advertising revenue. Within a year, was offered over a million dollars for the company, but um, unfortunately, it didn't sell. Wow! And the dot com bubble crashed, and I decided to come back to New York. I worked at a, um, a kind of a boutique. Uh, investment banking company broker dealer mm-hmm. uh that that was it, it was a great experience one of the the chairman was the original uh, founder of Citicorp ventures back in the 60s so had a a great deal of industry experience but at the time in you know 2000 2001 there wasn't many deals going on and um i decided that i had always wanted to teach i started teaching at mercy college as an adjunct and mm-hmm. Then I, I went on to Pace University, where I taught as an adjunct while working, and then took a half-time and then a full-time position. So I've been at Pace for 10 years now and, and really enjoy teaching. Wow. Talk about a full life, Bruce. I love the quote that you said, living deliberately. And I just, I have goosebumps listening to your whole life because I know that, you know, you're a young man and you're married and you have children and you manage to live such a full life already and it's just so fascinating and so interesting to me and I can assure you any of your students that might be listening to our show today trust me you are so lucky to have Bruce as a professor because to have a teacher that had so much background and so much experience just must be so much fun and for you as a teacher Bruce you must be having a blast are you really enjoying what you're doing to be able to help young entrepreneurs or students that want to become entrepreneurs with your background I think so, and I, I do very much enjoy it. I mean, in the past, with his careers, as I changed, um, you know, jobs, careers, whatever, I, you know, never envisioned doing something for a, a really long time. And um, with teaching now, it's the, the first time I could see doing this until I retire. I love it. I love working with the the students. Um, you know, I teach in the New York City campus and up in Pleasantville. We have, um, you know, traditional young students, we have international students, older students, I teach graduate students, people that work full-time, go to school full-time, and um, no, it's incredibly rewarding, especially now with the um, running the entrepreneurship lab, I get a chance to come in contact with people from all six schools at Pace, the, you know, the computer science school, nursing school, law school, etc., and that's great, and with the pitch contest, 
Um, we attract students from across the country, so we've had contestants from Harvard, Yale, Princeton, Stanford, Columbia, MIT, etc. And the chance to work with students from other schools has been um, has been great as well. Well, this is great. So, Bruce, we're coming up on our first break. When we come back, I'm going to ask you a few more questions about the pitch contest. I want to learn more about that. And then what we're going to concentrate on our next segment is I love that you say entrepreneurship is much broader than the creation of a new business venture. At its core, it is a mindset. So that's what we're going to be focusing on on our next segment. But we're going to take a quick break. Everybody stay with us and we'll be back real soon. We'll be right back with more Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi right after these on toginet.com. Are you yearning to connect with those close to you who have passed on? Do you feel you'd be more at peace or more in balance in your life if you could only have that connection? Now you do. It's time for Alex Laws and the Alex Laws Hour. Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Central here on the Rockstar Radio Network. Alex discovered an incredible balance that allowed him to listen and receive messages from the other side. Not your traditional psychic medium. Alex has spent the last 27 years as an endurance athlete and entrepreneur. At the core of Alex's abilities is his knowing that in order to open one's soul to the universe, one must open their heart to being authentic. The wisdom Alex has shared from those beyond the veil has helped at an international level and changed people's lives and sometimes, too, their direction in life. Need help with your life or business direction? Tap into the spiritual realm of Alex Laws. For more information, check out alexlaws.com. Then join us for the Alex Laws Hour with Alex Laws. Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Central here on The Rock. Star Radio Network. Are you ready to get your woo-hoo on? From business and branding to babies, best-selling books, and personal breakthroughs? Then it's time to tune in to Woohoo Radio, Love, Life, Business, and the Pursuit of Happiness with your host, Lisa Stedman. Wednesday afternoons at 4 p.m. Central on Toginet.com. Using her signature blend of inspiration, motivation, and kick-butt action, best-selling author and chief woohoo woman, Lisa Stedman, wants to help you discover the woohoo that only you can do. Lisa will show you how to create your signature woohoo Way of love, life, business, and the pursuit of happiness without losing yourself. If you're tired of a one-size-fits-all approach to career, relationships, and personal growth, get your weekly woohoo on with Lisa and her rock star guests as they reveal their personal stories of bouncing back from boohoo of rock bottom into the woohoo of love, life, business, and the pursuit of happiness. Check out her website, lisastedman.com. Join us for Woohoo Radio, love, life, business, and the pursuit of happiness. Wednesday afternoons at 4 p.m. Central on Toginet.com. Welcome back to Paying It Forward, the show dedicated to helping every entrepreneur be more successful as we discuss accomplishments, lessons learned, and sharing those ideas. Now, let's get back to Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi on toginet.com. Well, hello, everybody. It's Josephine again, and I have Bruce Bockenheimer with us today. And Bruce is an amazing, experienced entrepreneur, and he is a clinical professor over at Pace University. So we are going to continue our discussion. So, Bruce, before the break, we were talking about the annual Pace Pitch Contest that you have over at Pace University. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how it got started? 
Sure. I, I actually started it um, eight years ago, back in 2004, when I was um, teaching at Pace as an adjunct uh, professor, you know, a part-time professor. And it's um, basically the idea is that students would have three minutes to pitch an idea for a new business concept or a social venture and can use up to five slides. And they present this in front of a panel of judges, um, experts, and, uh, and a big audience. And it really is a way to get students to, you know, think about these projects and, and to, you know, polish a pitch to be able to give a, uh, a convincing and, and concise presentation. So I think it's really important for them to, to think entrepreneurially, for them to uh, hone their public, seek, public speaking skills, and for a chance to, you know, meet and network with other people, the judges, other contestants, people in the audience. And I, I got the idea, actually, when I was a student, we had started a, a pitch contest that I had won for the, the company that I would mentioned earlier and thought it would be a great experience at Pace. And it's grown over the years in um, – 2009, which um, was the 30th anniversary of Pace's entrepreneurship program, we actually gave out cash prizes of over $50,000 for oh, three-minute wow. pitches. And um, so it went from just an idea to, I guess, the highest cash prize of a, of a pitch contest anywhere. Wow. And it's, um, it's just great to, to follow the students and to, um, you know, to see, you know, the, the the business is, whether that one takes off or they try something else or they just had a great experience of, you know, of, of, of presenting in front of a large group of people. I have to tell you, it's amazing because, Bruce, when I look back, when I had, I actually went to St. John's and my favorite class was new product development, which is hysterical because I never imagined that I would ever get into creating a product and trying to bring a product to the marketplace and everything. But it's so funny that you should say that. It's, um, it's so crucial and so important to have those presentation skills because every single day as an entrepreneur, you're pitching yourself or your product or your service and you, you got to get good at it. <laughs> and to start where they are right there at pace is a brilliant idea. You know, thanks. So, and the, the idea, the, 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 the kind of etymology of it is uh, an elevator pitch. And the premise is that if you were to get into an elevator and, you know, see a, um, you know, a famous venture capitalist investor and have that short time while the elevator went up to, say, the 40th floor, that, that minute or two, um, could you pitch something, you know, so, you know, convincing that the uh, the venture capitalist or investor would say, you know, here's my card. Let's let's set up an appointment, and those opportunities come not just to investors, you know, uh, not just to entrepreneurs who might meet an investor in an elevator, but to someone who you know meets a, a potential um, you know job opportunity or mm-hmm. you know any number of other situations in sales where you have a a brief opportunity to to, to pitch something, whether it's a you know, a new proposal for something I want to do to the dean or, you know, a student, um, you know, networking at, at an event and, you know, may have the opportunity to, to say why, you know, he or she would deserve a, a summer internship, you know, or, or as a, um, you know, a, a salesman, any number of things. And that ability oh, sure. to to speak, you know, um, convincingly and, and briefly is so important today. 
And I agree with you. And one of the most important things I've learned as an entrepreneur, Bruce, is to make sure you cannot be shy. You got to get out there and you have to talk to everybody and tell them what you're doing. Because even if you're talking to somebody and think they can't help you, you don't know. It goes layers. It goes by layers in my mind. Maybe that person has a mother or a father or a brother or a sister who actually works in the industry that you need help with or you need information about. And they might turn to you and say, you know what? I don't have a summer internship job for you, but you know what? My friend does. Here's his number. Give him a call. Maybe you can hook up with them. So it is so important to be polished with your elevator speech. So I I think that that's a great idea. So, Bruce, um, I'm very curious to know about the business plan competition, too. How did that get started? So I, I started the business plan competition at the, um, at the same time. The idea was, you know, after you've, you've done a pitch to, to work on a business plan, which is, you know, a, a full uh, detailed document outlining the opportunity and, and the resources required and how you would actually implement it, that's something that I, I've done more on a uh, internal basis at Pace, um, as opposed to the pitch contest attracting students from other schools. And uh, part of the reason there, there's many many schools that have business plan competitions. There weren't many that had these pitch contests. Um, and the, the business plan competition has been great to work on the written communication skills. How can you or you know organize um, you know, all this information in a, um, in a compelling document, as opposed to the pitch contest, which concentrates on, you know, uh, verbal or oral communication skills. Oh, that's great. So now what happens, Bruce? Um, the student comes up with their concept of their business, and then they try to pitch it, or they'll, they'll write their whole entire business plan. So they are really applying the knowledge that they're learning in school directly to a real-life, you know, business plan, correct? Right. I, that's right. And one of the um, things that I'm, I'm really excited about that we just started this semester is a, um, a brand-new course, a special topics course called Entrepreneurial Implementation, and in this class, which is held in our um, newly launched entrepreneurship lab, students will actually launch some form of a business over the course of the semester. So we're exactly in the middle of that course. You know, we're at a, you know at week seven out of fourteen, and uh, you know there's ten students that are working on you know very interesting businesses, and here they actually have to go out and launch something and get some form of of customer validation. And, and they're, they're so actually fun. doing it. Bruce, oh, it's fun. it sounds like so much fun. Like, I'm excited for the students because, you know, when I went for my MBA over 20 years ago, for God's sake, I can't believe it, but uh, the most excitement I had was in my new product development class that we had to develop a new product and just present it in front of the class. And I have to share with you what I did. I actually, I must have been on the beach earlier that day, sun tanning, and... I came up with a swivel beach chair, and it was the coolest little thing, Bruce, and you know my mom. So imagine us with the dial deodorant, um, empty 
canister, I guess you call it, with the little dial that you turn. And we attached it onto this. We just made like a hammock out of uh, fabric. And then I had Barbie in her bikini. It was the coolest thing, Bruce. And you know that there is a swivel beach chair on the market today. So it's fun. And I'm excited for your students because it just, um, it's a lot of fun. No, it's fun, and and the learning, whether they call it, you know, experiential learning, um, applying theory to practice, it's so important. I love, you know, Confucius said, if I read, I forget, if I see, I remember, and if I do, I learn. And and it's great to see the students doing and and, and really learning. And it's, you know, it's not just a a vocational type of training. They're really taking what they've learned in strategy and, and marketing and finance and applying it to, to a real situation. So I think the work is literally 10 times that in any other course, but the, the students are, you know, excited and, and enthusiastic and, and putting in a huge amount of effort, and I think learning a lot. Oh, this is so much fun. So, um, Bruce, I'm just curious, since you've been at Pace for 10 years, how often, like, has any kind of study been done? I mean, I know you probably know your students really well. How often... Do um, the students really go out and just become entrepreneurs as opposed to doing what we did and going and working, you know, for larger corporations after school? Well, I think that, you know, that that's changing. And one thing, not, you know, all the students in my class are entrepreneurship majors or will go out and, and start their own business. You know, again, the the nature of work and, and the, the type of jobs students get are, are changing so much. That idea that, you know, you'd work for like, you know, one company, um, you know, is, is, is something, you know, in, in the past, these days, people are, you know, maybe starting their own company, but working for smaller companies, changing jobs, maybe working multiple part-time jobs. And, you know, the, the, the Almost every net new job that's been created in America over the last 20 years have come from small businesses, small businesses that have been started within the, um, you know, that are within like four years old. So I, I think that there, there's just a different mindset um, among mm-hmm. students, and they recognize that, you know, that they're going to have to create value to, to get a job and, and keep a job. And that idea of thinking entrepreneurial is, is increasingly important, whether you're in a traditional finance you know, type field or interested in in starting your own company. I think you're so right about that, Bruce. I was just actually talking to my brother who's also in business and um, my brother Paul had said, you know, when people, he's an entrepreneur also, but he said the more he looks at clients and how their businesses are run, their individual departments are almost becoming like small businesses, that whoever's at the top of that department is running that department as if they own it. And it's so important. And that's why I think a course like the one that you are presenting to the students is going to help them no matter what they decide to do. So um, I'm, I'm really, I wish I was still able to take your course, Bruce. I mean, does, does anybody come back and take courses even though they're entrepreneurs? Yeah, there, there are um, entrepreneurs that, that come back, uh, um, particularly in the Westchester campus. There's people that, 
you know, they have a family business. Here we go on a break. All right, I'm going to ask you that question when we come back. But everybody stay with us. We have lots and lots of business tips coming up, and we're going to still talk about entrepreneur um, mindset. We'll be back shortly, everyone. We'll be right back with more Paying It Forward with Josephine Jirasi right after these on toginet.com. Do you ever feel like you're the invisible woman? Too polite to be political? Too nice to be real? Tame, even though you really want to be unleashed? Like you're living in a fairy tale without the happy ending? Well, Cinderella has left the ball, and it's time to wake up and break up with our own self-imposed glass slippers and ceilings. Welcome to Le Chic Speak, the polite woman's guide to self-expression, with your host, Jen Duchenne. Le Chic Speak is the Woohoo Radio Network's resident radio show dedicated to helping women turn on their power and turn up the volume of their voices so you can be seen, heard, appreciated, and celebrated. Join us on Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Central Standard Time for your weekly dose of Le Chic Speak with your host, Jen Duchenne, only here on the Woohoo Radio Network. Information about book publishing is power, the power to change your authoring life, and the power to change the lives of your readers. So join us for Your Guide to Book Publishing, everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask, with your host, Dr. Judith Bryles, Thursdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 Pacific on the Rockstar Radio Network. You'll hear about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now. As the book shepherd, Dr. Judith Bryles is in, and each week, she will include publishing professionals that will reveal tips and secrets to the author's journey. If there is a book in you, you want to listen, learn, and yes, call in with your questions each week. For more on Judith and what she can do for you, check out her website, thebookshepherd.com. It's your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. Brought to you by Author You and The Book Shepherd with your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Thursday evenings at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Rockstar Radio Network. Welcome back to Paying It Forward, the show dedicated to helping every entrepreneur be more successful as we discuss accomplishments, lessons learned, and sharing those ideas. Now, let's get back to Paying It Forward with Josephine Jirasi on toginet.com. Well, welcome back, everyone. It's Josephine here, and I am so sorry for asking you that question with 10 seconds to go before the break. But, Bruce, I'm going to ask it again. So, are there entrepreneurs that are interested in going back to school to take a course like something that you teach? There are, and especially at the, the graduate level, we've seen, um, you know, students both come to take a course or, or enroll in the MBA program in entrepreneurial studies because, um, you know, a, a common example is they have a, a family business, you know, that may have been passed down to them, and they either want to, to get the skills to uh, really run all parts of the business, you know, learn more about finance and marketing and strategy, or they really want to, to grow the business from a, a relatively, you know, small business to something that's scalable, that could, could really expand to, you know, like an entrepreneurial venture. And that means, you know, learning some things uh, like strategy or, again, specific skills like, like finance and, and marketing to be able to do, 
you know, a, a specific analysis. And then, again, to think strategically and entrepreneurial about how to really compete and, and grow the business. Yeah, it's so, so important. So that leads us into our next discussion. Um, that I love what you had said. Um, entrepreneurship is much broader than the creation of a new business venture. At its core, it is a mindset, a way of thinking and acting. It is about imagining new ways to solve problems and create value. So I think that is such a great, great quote. That's an original quote from Bruce, everybody. (laughs) What would you like to do about expanding on that concept? Tell us a little bit about the, a little more about the mindset. So, yeah, I actually might go to someone else's quote. There was a guy, Charles Handy, who was a um, a futurist. He predicted back in the 80s what work would look like today, the delaying of middle management and just the, the whole change in nature of work. And when his son asked him for career advice, he said, look for customers, not bosses. And what does that mean? Instead of looking for someone to say, you know, hey, I'm, I'm bright, here's my resume, look, I'm, I'm, I'm well-dressed, you know, I got good grades, hire me for a job. Tell me what to do, and I'll do my best to do mm-hmm. it, and you give me a check. But instead, is there someone who could be a customer for your skills, for the value you have, for something you have to offer? Now, you know, an example like is if, if all these people are trying to get, get a job at, um, you know, say some fashion company, it's a competitive, but um, one of the students, you know, does some work and says, you know, I notice you don't have a social media presence. You know, in school I created a, a, a web page for our club. I, I have a fashion blog with, you know, a thousand followers. You know, I tweet on fashion and have, you know, followers there. Um, you know, I could come you know, to your company and create a social media presence for you. Now, who will that person hire? You know, all those people that may have, you know, very good grades and and very nice resumes and are polished speakers and well-dressed, or the person who says, you know, I'll come and I'll create value. I'll I'll create, you know, a a blog, a a Facebook page, a, um, you know, Twitter stream, and, and I'm bringing something to you that boss would, you know, really be a customer, a customer for the skill you have. So who's going to get hired and, and who would be the last person to be fired? So that idea of whatever you do, you know, I tell my students, you know, think of yourself as CEO of, state your name here, CEO of, of you know, John Doe or Jane Smith. And if you think that way, um, you know, I, I think not only will you have a, a more secure career, but a, a more rewarding career. I think you're so right. And just to um, comment on the example that you had just given. You know, Bruce, that person who's going to write that blog and help with the social media for that company is actually not only promising to add value, but from the moment they step into that door, they are adding value. And as a business owner nowadays, everybody is looking at the cost of doing business and hiring employees has, you know, is a huge cost to a business. And I I think any company is going to feel elated you know, to have somebody come in and want to add to the bottom line as opposed to take away. So I think that that's a great point. Yeah, and, and with, um, you know, that the competition, it, you know, as Thomas Friedman says, the world is flat. We're now competing not just with, 
you know, other stores, you know, on Main Street or in the region or the state in the country. We're competing internationally. And, you know, as those competitive pressures have increased, you know, the, the pressure on the, the bottom line has, and, and, you know, a huge expense for any firm is employees. But, you know, an employee can be a, a huge, tremendous asset, you know, an engine of growth for the company, or it could be a, a financial burden. And, you know, the days of getting, you know, not exactly lifetime employment, but graduating and basically having an, an escalator career path where you know, you know, how many years till I make, you know, assistant vice president, vice president, partner, you know, director, et cetera, you know, I, I think are for the large part over. And again, almost, you know, all net new jobs in the United States are created by small companies, you know, companies with less than 100 people that are less than five years old. Yeah, and those you know, are, are lean. I'm sorry, those are, are lean companies, and, and you have to to show your worth every day. Maybe some of it comes from, um, you know, back my first job on Wall Street as a trader. We had a, a saying: "You're only as good as your last trade," and you know that that kind of pressure to perform, you know, in and out year after year is, um, I guess, something that stuck with me. Absolutely, and you know, one of the things that comes to mind, Bruce, is years ago. You know, my dad was from like the Depression era, and his whole feeling was that you needed to get a job and you needed to have benefits. And it was all about that nine to five working for somebody and doing your best and all that. And that was considered stability back then, having a stable job so you could provide for your family. But it's quite funny now with the way the economy is that a lot of people are looking at entrepreneurship in a much more stable way, that they are now in charge of their own destiny. And yeah, it might take a little while to get on their feet, but at least they don't have to go to work with butterflies in their stomach thinking that, oh my gosh, today could be the day that I'm going to get cut. So it's just funny how things have changed so much. No, it is, and I, I think you know perhaps one of the reason is you know this current generation have seen their um, you know parents you know perhaps laid off from a job and and, and struggling or, or nervous or in, in very difficult times, and they don't have the same impression of of you know the traditional large American companies or traditional type of work as the previous generation did you know who who may have seen their father in that case you know working at the, the same job and, and, and being taken care of and able to, you know, come home and have dinner every night and, you know, not work on weekends and, and all those other things. Um, but it is changing. And, and you know, it's amazing in, in other countries. You know, Japan has been in a, in a recession for the last two decades. And, you know, that's a, 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 an area where people definitely, you know, associate, you know, with a company and, and lifetime employment and, and dedicated service. And it's interesting to see very, very recently, you know, entrepreneurship beginning to, to sprout in Japan as uh, they see that they, they can't count on the, the stability of employment. And, and yeah, mm -hmm. it, it is much better to have more control of your destiny. And even if you're not going to start that company, but if you are, you know, working at a company, what kind of skills do you have that you could bring to another company that you could offer as a, a freelancer that you could, um, you know, again, think of people as future customers as opposed to potential future bosses. Oh, yeah. I love that. That's a great, great idea, Bruce. So let's see. 
Um, you have like a, a list of business tips here, and I rarely do this, but I don't want to run out of time, and I want to be able to cover them. So if it's okay with you, Bruce, I'd like to start with your business tips. Is that okay? Sure. Okay, good. Let's talk about business tip number one. It has to do with imagination. Can you suspend your beliefs of what is and imagine what could be? Tell us about that. Well, you know, so often we're used to, you know, seeing things and, and not be able to, to think about them differently. Now, when someone comes up with a new invention, you say, oh, that was simple. I could have thought of that. One example I, I like to use, um, you know, in showing classes, something as simple as the, the pharmacy bottle, the pill bottle. You know, it was invented in America in 1947, at the end of World War II, and it hasn't changed at all. Except, you know, in the, in the late 70s, they put a child-proof cap on. Now, why is it this small, cylindrical, amber-shaped bottle that, you know, it's hard to read the type. You know, people, especially old people, can't open it, can't read, take the wrong prescription. You know, America is the, the most innovative, entrepreneurial country in the world. Why has this pill bottle not changed in, like, 70 years? Because everyone thought that's the way it is. Now, some... Some clever young woman in Chappaqua actually um, looked at that, and as part of her um, MFA program at the School of Visual Arts in New York City, reimagined the pill bottle. And now, you know, it's a, a square shape and could go into it. You could find them at Target. Target bought the rights to her design. And he asked a simple question, where, where does the cap go on the bottle? So where does the cap go on a bottle? Everyone says on the top. Why on the top? Why not on the bottom? Um, you know, go to, here's a, a plug for Target, go to Target and, and look at a, a pharmacy bottle there now. It's completely different. That's, that's a, you know, a, a minor example. But, you know, again, why have we done the same thing the same way, you know, for 60, 70 years, just because that's the way it's always been done? Yeah, you're so right. So often as entrepreneurs, we have to think out of the box. And a lot of times, you know, I've now interviewed well over 100 entrepreneurs and so many of them who have come up with ideas for new products, including my Glovey's product, is um, is the solution to a problem. And it kind of goes to what you were saying about the pillbox is just, you know, is there a problem out there that can be solved? I mean, so often as a mom with young kids, we see things every single day and say, gosh, there must be a better way. And that's what helps us come up with new products and new ideas. But we are coming up on another break. We're already on our last segment of the show, but Bruce has a lot of really good tips. So I want everybody to try to stay with us, and we will be back shortly. Thanks, everyone. We'll be right back with more Paying It Forward with Josephine Jirasi right after these on toginet.com. Have you been laid off? 
fired, downsized, right-sized, or re-engineered out of a job? Are you unemployed or anticipate that possibility? Then tune in for Successfully Unemployed, hosted by Alan Sherwood, MBA, president of Sherwood Consulting Service. Successfully Unemployed will provide you a hope-filled and comprehensive approach to the job search process from an author who's experienced it all. Alan and his guests will cover all dimensions of a job search, physical tasks, mental attitude, emotional health, even one spiritual perspective. All must be integrated in order for a person to be successfully unemployed so they can then be successfully employed. This show is designed to help you move forward from job loss to finding or creating more fulfilling work. For more on Alan Sherwood, MBA, and the show, check out his website, SuccessfullyUnemployed.com. Then join us for Successfully Unemployed with Alan Sherwood, MBA. Thursday nights at 8, 7 Central here on Toginet.com. Schooling? Have questions? Get your pen and paper ready. It's the sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Fridays at 5, 4 Central on Toginet.com. After a handsome blue-eyed Texan fell in love with Vivian at the Victoria Station in London, she found herself at DFW Airport with a tiny suitcase and a snazzy little duffel bag. Well, 25 years later, she is now happily married to that blue-eyed cowboy. They have four grown children, ages 24 to 18, who became willing guinea pigs when she unwittingly stumbled upon the world of homeschooling. Wildflower Academy flourished for 15 years. They survived and thrived, and you can too. Vivian will be covering a wide range of issues that face homeschoolers. What do you do with kids in the summer? How to set up your one-room schoolhouse? How obedience is paramount? And what to do with those snakes? Plus, you'll be sharing ideas and insights that she gleaned from other homeschoolers. So join us for an engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler. Vivian McNinney, Friday afternoons at 5, 4 Central on Toginet.com. Welcome back to Paying It Forward, the show dedicated to helping every entrepreneur be more successful. As we discuss accomplishments, lessons learned, and sharing those ideas. Now, let's get back to Paying It Forward with Josephine Jirasi on toginet.com. Well, welcome back, everyone. It's Josephine here, and we're on our last segment of Paying It Forward with our wonderful guest, Bruce Bockenheimer. So before we get started here, I need to give a quick shout-out. Um, over at, um, we have lots of mutual friends over in Chappaqua. My sister is working over at Citibank, and they're all listening to her interview today. So big shout out to Christina Lagnis and all of her wonderful employees. I better say Christina Rosado, or I might get into a lot of trouble. Sorry about that. Um, but anyway, with that, let's bring Bruce back. And Bruce, let's... Let's tell the listeners how they can get in touch with you, just in case they have um, any questions. So, yeah, if they see my uh, email address is just bruce at backenheimer.com, or if you go um, to just backenheimer.com, that'll uh, redirect to my faculty webpage with all my contact information. And it's a, a little hard to spell, but you could um, plainly see it on the, uh, on the Paying It Forward website. Okay, that's perfect. All right. So with that, let's go on to business tip number two. We're talking about defiance here. Can you ignore pressure of conformity, risk of uncertainty, and fear of failure? Uh, fear of failure. As an entrepreneur, I have to tell you, Bruce, that is so common with me personally. I'm always afraid to fail because I've made mistakes along the way. I failed once, and I'll be damned. I don't want to fail twice so it's a tough concept tell us about that it's um 
you know, and and it, the 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 fear of failure. If you're not taking any uh, risk, or if you're you're so afraid of failure, you've kind of failed by default. I'd uh, really recommend if you go on uh, YouTube, search J.K. Rowling's uh, commencement speech at Harvard University on the benefits of failure. It's it's an incredible, incredible speech. But um, you know, J.K. Rowling, the author of Harry Potter, talks oh, yeah. about you know the risks you took in the failure and. You know, again, if, if you don't try things to take a risk, you again, you, you've just failed by default. And life is short. If you want to see a, another great speech, perhaps the greatest is Steve Jobs' commencement speech at Stanford University in 2005. And, you know, basically... Now, uh, Bruce, you know, I just have to say to the listeners here... That was such a moving, inspirational speech that I have it in my favorites. And every now and then, I just go and I listen to the speech over and over again. It's amazing. So sorry to interrupt, but I just wanted to let the listeners know you're 100% right. That is a great speech. So go ahead. <laughs> great. And, and one of his, you know, uh, points is, you know, why are you afraid of risk? And in, you know, how if you're you know, 20 years old and approximately 60 years you're going to be dead in the face of death, what does any risk, you know, or fear of embarrassment or failure matter? You know, when you you know com- contrast that against you know the uh, something like death, um, and how you know that is life's greatest change agent, and you know why it's important to do something you you love, you know, in order to do a, a great job. But that, that defiance is not just defying your fear of failure, but, but of conformity. If you, you'll never be able to, you know, get to tip one, you know, suspend your belief in what is if, if you're conforming. And a lot of companies say, oh, we, we want to encourage people to think entrepreneurial and take risks and all. But in the end, uh, it's kind of just lip service. If someone takes a risk and it doesn't work out, their, their career could be ended. And if you really want to be able to to think creatively and and do something, you can't just be a conformist. So there's that degree of defiance. Okay. I think that's wonderful. We'll move on to tip number three, passion. Can you find what is truly meaningful to you and stop concentrating what is supposed to be important? And I just know for me personally as an entrepreneur, that passion is the fire in the belly. And Bruce, I am going on eight years with my Glovies product, and I can't tell you the number of people that have told me along the way, just give it up. Just do something else. Just go get a job. You'll make so much money working for somebody else. And that fire in the belly, that passion, I refuse to be a failure, and I am going to make Glovies really work. And I know a lot of the entrepreneurs that I've interviewed, it's a a lot of their business is based on their passion. So I thought that was a great point. Right. So, and and the other half of passion is not just, um, you know, how important passion is, but that idea that it should be your passion, because so much of what we do is just because what many people do is because that's what's seen as you know, right, or what's supposed to be important, you know, um, getting a, a certain type of job, going to a, a certain school, whatever, you know, why is that seen as, as so wonderful? Um, you know, I remember when I started MBA school, you know, although I got a, a scholarship from McKinsey and Company, I didn't know exactly who they were or what they did, but on the first day of MBA school, when someone said, you know, not all of you are going to get a jobs with, you know, a job with, uh, 
McKinsey or a consulting firm, you know, it's very competitive, then everybody wanted it. So a lot of times people just want things for strange reasons. And, and the part of passion is to find what is really important to you, not just to what, you know, kind of general society tells you should be important. Perfect. Okay. We are going to talk about tip number four, persistence. Can you keep going when others tell you it can't be done? And I just talked about that for me personally. But um, what do you think about persistence, Bruce? Well, you know, as, as you said, being told no, but also, you know, there's going to be a lot of obstacles. And, you know, can you persist? Can you just keep going, not take no for an answer, um, not look at things as a, a problem, but as a challenge and, and figure out a way to overcome them. You know, just keep going. Perfect. Okay. Tip number five, strategy. Can you envision your goals with absolute clarity and systematically design structure to achieve them in the face um, of challenging obstacles? So strategy is the thing. It, it's more than just a plan, but, you know, kind of like a, a, a battlefield plan. Can you figure out a, a way to do that? I mean, you're very clear about your goals and, and a, a way to achieve them um, with the, the resources, people, um, you know, in, in the face of challenges. So it's thinking, you know, very deeply about a, a way to achieve those goals, you know, in the face of competition and obstacles and limited resources. So it's, um, you know, and again, something we, you know, we, we try to teach in school, but if you think of the, you know, the art of military generalmanship or, you know, uh, real, real careful, it goes beyond planning, um, but, you know, very careful planning, you know, given competition, challenges, limited resources, et cetera. So strategy is very important. Great. So now we're on bonus tips. We usually do five a week, but this week we're going to see how many we can get in before the show's over. So we're going on to business tip number six, resourceful, being resourceful. Can you figure out how to optimize what you have and leverage resources you don't currently control? Right. So a lot of entrepreneurship management in a business is about how do you allocate and deploy resources you currently have. Entrepreneurs generally don't have a lot of resources, so they've got to figure out ways to uh, leverage a little bit they have or, or to figure out how to get access to ones they don't control. Perfect. Um, I'm going to go through this quickly, Bruce, because we go actually right did get a question here. Somebody just emailed me a question for you. So, all right, let's go on to tip number seven, action. Can you jump in and make things happen when there are, um, when there is uncertainty and obstacles? Yeah, it, it's that propensity to action. You know, some people, you know, want to, we call it a par, a paralysis by analysis. You know, <laughs> yes. just keep looking and, and um, but you, you have to get out there and, and, and do it. You have to, you know, ship the product and, not wait till things are, are perfect and, um, you know, and then pivot based on what the market needs. But there has to be this propensity towards action, not for analysis and study and wait and, you know, try to get everything aligned that you would like to, but, um, but get it out there. Perfect. And the word paralysis came right to my mind when I read that you know, about action, because it's so, so common with entrepreneurs. Okay, tip number eight, work. Can you commit to the intense pressure and demands required to accomplishing something new, challenging, and meaningful? 
So, you know, entrepreneurs, people look and say, oh, you know, these guys got lucky and I could have thought of that. And, you know, things don't come easy. It, it's hard work. And, um, you know, one of my uh, favorite entrepreneurs, uh, the first woman millionaire in the country, um, it was the daughter of free slave, orphaned at age seven, who, you know, created a, a hair care product for, you know, African-American women, Madam C.J. Walker. And she said, if I've accomplished anything, it's because I've been able to work hard. And the only opportunities I got are ones I gave myself. So don't look at someone who's been successful and assume it was easy. There's always a huge amount of work. And, you know, are you committed to working hard? Perfect. Okay, moving right along. Less than two minutes. Empathy. Can you really put yourself in the customer's shoes? You know, a lot of people say, oh, this is a great product. Yes, I would pay for this. I'd pay, you know, nineteen ninety-five a month for this. But uh, they don't. I mean, you ask a student who says, yes, I would pay for that. And I ask them, how many subscriptions for, you know, Internet services have you paid for? And generally the answer is, is none. But, you know, can you really see what the customer wants, what they're willing to pay, you know, how much time they're really going to spend looking at your website, et cetera? But it, it's hard to remove yourself from the you know, optimism that comes with being an entrepreneur to putting yourself in the customer's shoes and seeing, you know, what are they really thinking? You know, and, and too many people, you know, confuse that, you know, passion and, with, um, and, and persistence with, you know, just stubbornness. So um, you, you really got to stop and, 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 and put yourself in the customer's shoes. Okay. Be- thank um, you, Bruce. That was great. So before we come up with our last business tip, there was a question that came in, but I just want everybody to know, I'll get the answer from Bruce and I'll post it on the TogiNet website under comment. So business tip number 10 is luck. Don't estimate this or count on it. Luck is where preparation meets opportunity. So work hard and get out there. So with like 10 seconds, Bruce, what do you say about that? Look, people, um, you know, luck, you know, don't underestimate the, 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 the value of luck, but don't count on it. You know, there's an expression, the harder I work, the luckier I get. You know, yeah. things have to, you know, in the end be aligned, and, and people could get unlucky. Jeff Bezos started Amazon and said, you know, I had to get really lucky, you know, 100 times in a row without being really unlucky once. But don't count on luck. Perfect. Well, Bruce Bockenheimer, thank you so much for being a part of Paying It Forward. Everybody, all my listeners, thanks for listening in. Have a wonderful, productive week, and I'll see everyone next week. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for being a part of Paying It Forward with Josephine Tarasi on Toginet.com. This show is dedicated to helping every entrepreneur be more successful. Each week, we'll be discussing accomplishments, lessons